1: We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This is the best of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio.
2: It was the biggest snowstorm to ever hit our country. That stuff right there. It's not pure snow, it's some kind of mix, plus there's this fog in the air. The white devil.
0: Not Clay Travis. We're talking about this snow recorded at a monster quarter inch. Of the five brave souls on the road that day, one coward stood out. That coward was producer Jason Martin.
3: I'm sorry
0: Jason, guilty. He gave up on America and he gave up on outkick nation guilty
3: guilty he is guilty
0: the jury has spoken he should hand in his man card the judge has ruled
3: you are guilty may god have mercy on your soul
2: and now we find out his punishment screw you guys you can kick sand live from the studios of fox sports radio here's clay travis What? Were you expecting somebody else? We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, the Outkick the Coverage radio program where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. You see, folks, the advantage of being executive producer of this radio show is being in control of the technology, including the microphones. Right now, I look through the glass at my multimillionaire boss, frantically wondering why no one can hear his voice. Well, I'm here to tell you, It's because I have his microphone hostage. Don't worry. It's not broken clay. No, no, just stay put. We're going to get to you in just a second. And yes, you're going to levy my punishment. And now it might be worse because I chose to hijack our show off the top. But I felt like as the victim of a ridiculous sham of a trial where the jury was poisoned and the judge was vindictive, where the evidence was anything but overwhelming, I should at least have a chance to speak before sentencing and in lieu of pleading for the mercy of the court. I'm going to surprise you after you drop your punishment on me. But first, I decided to play some entrance music for myself that seemed oddly appropriate for this moment. Yes, folks, sometimes karma isn't just a bee. It's also a pussy willow. After all the mockery, the name-calling, the insults, the hate mail, and the radio segments from Clay, yes, he chose to drive a few feet out of his gated neighborhood yesterday. And what happened from his own Twitter, I quote, just went out for drive-in snow and slowly slid on ice into a tree in my neighborhood. And the only thing I could think as I approached the tree was at Jmart Outkick is going to use this against me. Well, Mr. Travis, your chickens have come home to roost. I felt sympathy for you yesterday, but the problem was I couldn't feel much else. And that didn't last very long because it's tough to feel bad when you're doubled over in laughter to the point of tears. This could not have been better if we had written a script ahead of time. Oh, how the tables have turned. And now, from the Geico Outkick Studios, the man in control, me, I give you accident victim or perhaps accident perpetrator, the tree's the one that took the assault. You can decide, okay, I've had my fun. He can sentence me now. Here is Clay Travis.
3: I uh, appreciate being allowed to speak on my my own uh, show. I we'll have this to say, off. that is an incredible, that is an incredible open that uh, the guys in L.A. put together. And I don't even know what the standard is to win a Marconi. But if we don't win a Marconi, they really should just do away with the award uh, for anything. I mean, I don't, I don't even know. Has anybody ever won a Marconi on Fox Sports Radio? Do we know this? If we haven't, I, I have no idea how it's not happened.
0: But I, th- I think Pat O'Brien
3: was the, the Pat last O'Brien. Is that yeah. really true? The guy from Access Hollywood? Yeah. Somebody told me you're like <laughs> a very young Pat O'Brien. Who told you that I was a young Pat O'Brien? Can't remember. Is that a real life? Somebody said you know who Clay Travis reminds me of? He's a young Pat <laughs> yes, O'Brien. Yes,
0: I actually I heard that. I heard that. Wow, exact, that's incredible. Exact quote.
3: Is the person like hundred and ninety who thinks that? I mean, I I don't even remember ever hearing Pat O'Brien on the radio. Okay, here's the deal. I did hit a tree yesterday, but I want to say this uh, in my defense. You go to my Twitter feed. Do you know who else hit a tree yesterday in the snow? Yes, I saw. Dale Earnhardt Jr. And here's what happened yesterday, all right? And it was an incredibly unfortunate timing. I, my wife, so we bought about a year ago or something. I don't know exactly. Every time that we buy a new car, like every married man probably out there, My wife gets the new car, and I take the old car. And it doesn't matter what kind of car we're getting or anything else. My wife gets the new car, and I get the old car. So about a year ago, we bought a Lincoln Navigator, all right? And when we bought it, they said uh, there, okay, well, this car looks great. You're going to like it. You're going to love it. All your kids will fit into it, all this stuff. But it has rear-wheel drive. And I said, ah, you know, that won't matter here. It never snows. We never have ice, really. It's not that big of a deal. My wife, to her credit, was like, I want front-wheel drive, or I at least want all-wheel drive. And I don't even know what all this stuff means. So I said, no, 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 we don't need it, all right? So we take the car to Michigan, not really thinking very much about it. My wife comes back, and she says, you absolutely, positively cannot drive this car in the snow. So I have been driving our other car, which is just a Mercedes sedan, like four-door, you know, four-wheel drive, not four-wheel drive, but all-wheel drive, whatever. I don't even know. No issues in the snow. But I'm going to the gym yesterday after our show. It's about 8.45 a.m. my time. So, you know, 9.45 on the East Coast. We haven't been done very long. And the kids are all out of school here in Nashville. And my kids are going insane, all being cooped up in the house. So my seven-year-old decides he wants to go to the gym with me. So as we're walking outside to get into the cars, I think to myself, you know what? It's snowy out. Maybe I should take the bigger car because I've got my seven-year-old with me just to be safe. We get out of my neighborhood, make one turn at a, a left, and then I come down to a stop sign, literally stop at the stop sign, and then take a right and when I take the right, I can't be going more than 5 or 10 miles an hour, the car, because of the rear-wheel drive, slides out behind me, and I just lose control of the vehicle. And I'm trying to like figure out what to do as I slide across the ice, and I'm trying to steer, and I'll be damned if I don't go head-on right into a tree. I mean, just hit the tree absolutely perfectly. And I, I swear to God, as I am floating you know basically on the ice like tanya harding or nancy kerrigan sliding across the ice nothing no control whatsoever i think to myself two things one oh my god i can't believe that i'm gonna have to tell my wife that i hit a tree in this car which doesn't drive in the ice because frankly i didn't believe her she was like "Ah, this this rear-wheel drive doesn't work i'm like whatever you're just totally not being able to drive normally. And so I'm thinking to myself, I can't believe that I'm going to have to turn around and go back after I hit this tree. And the second thing I'm thinking is, I can't believe that I'm hitting a tree because of the ice after I just sentenced Jmart mart to guilt on the radio show 45 minutes ago. It's the timing on it was so unbelievable. So we hit the, and so I've got my seven-year-old in the car. We hit the tree. There's nobody else on the roads. And we're both just sitting there, and I'm like, and I immediately turned to the seven year old. I'm like, Your mom is going to never let me forget the end of this. Because, again, the fact that I even took the car, the big car, she was going to be upset about. So he's like, And I got to give my seven year old credit for this. My seven year old's immediate response is, Don't tell her, dad. I said, well, We just hit a tree, and you know, I, I'm getting out of the car, and I know there's going to be damage to the front of the car. I said, what, what do you mean, don't tell her? He said, You just don't tell her. I said, what are we going to do? How are we going to fix this? He said, duct tape. I swear to God, my seven-year-old in the back, he's like, white duct tape. Or we have a white car, obviously. He's like, white duct tape, she'll never know. I said, so you think that I should just get some, go buy some white duct tape, put it on the front of the car the, where we just ran into the tree, and mom will never know? He said, I'm telling you, white duct tape. So I do have to say, I, I want to go to war now with my son, because it doesn't matter what I do. A seven-year-old in the back, he's immediately like all in on don't tell mom the truth. No telling what he's going to be into by the time he's a teenager. But right now, it certainly works to my benefit. Come back home, park the car in the uh, garage. Only been gone like four minutes. Open the door. My wife yells down like, why are you guys back? And I say, I hit a tree. And she comes downstairs. First of all, she thinks that I'm messing with her. Because you can tell like she wants to believe it's true. It's like the greatest day of her life. For me to go out driving in her car, which she says has real world drive and is impossible to drive in the snow, for me literally to be in the car for four minutes and hit a tree and obviously not have severely injured myself or her son is like the greatest day of her life because it just validates everything that she's ever said. And also, it echoes her opinion that I never listen to what she has to say. And so she comes downstairs and she looks at the damage after I finally convince her that I'm not, you know, just pulling a prank on her and she is just, uh, she's just in heaven. So now we got to go get a new car fixed. I have to be honest. I, uh, I, I honestly sat around and I thought, maybe I need to be more empathetic about J-Mart. Maybe J-Mart was actually right to not get out in the snow. Maybe I am wrong. Now, I'm never wrong, so certainly I didn't think that for very long. But for a couple of minutes, I did think to myself, it's possible that I have blown this, and that I have done something wrong, that I have led this show awry, astray, from the, what I would have hoped would have been justice. And then I thought about it more and more, and I believe this is a function of the death trap that they sold me to drive in here in Nashville by telling me, oh, you'll never have to worry about the snow in Nashville. Even though I know that it snows sometimes, I bought that sales pitch. And I don't even know, I didn't even, I don't know anything about cars, right? And this is where I've confessed before that I am frequently humiliated uh, and feel like the guy who doesn't know anything about sports at a Super Bowl party. I, when I go to Michigan, where my wife is from, her brother designs cars for Ford. And her dad is an engineer that has been heavily involved in the car industry for a long time. And they talk about cars at a different level what I would contemplate NASA scientists talk about rocket ships like. You might vaguely understand the purpose of a rocket ship if you are kind of hanging out. Somebody kind of understands, oh, that rocket ship is going to go to the moon, or they're talking about like it's SpaceX. Oh, you know what? We're trying to go to Mars, all this stuff. But once they actually get into the nitty-gritty of the discussion about the rocket ship, you realize that you really don't know anything at all. And it much, I would imagine, is like what someone who goes to a Super Bowl party and has a vague idea about football feels like if they sit down with two guys who are actually coaches of football, and those guys start really significantly talking about football. I know nothing about cars. But I don't understand at all why, if this is the case, in terms of being unable to drive in the snow and ice, why rear-wheel drive even exists. Why would anybody ever choose to make a car that has rear wheel drive when there is front wheel drive and there is all wheel drive, which are both vastly superior ways to drive a vehicle? I'm a simple guy. Why would you not choose to take the more useful choice there? And here's the other thing. Why would this salesperson tell me that it's never going to be an issue? When clearly I'm stopped at a stop sign, I take a right. I can't be going more than five or ten miles an hour, and the back of my car just starts to spin because the rear-wheel drive doesn't work in the snow and ice. Why was I led so far astray? Why, why, why? Just like Nancy Kerrigan, as we get ready for the Winter Olympics, when she was struck in the knee, that's what I felt like when I hit that tree and by the way there's like 20 yards of open space on either side of the road where I could have just slid into the curb the fact that I hit the tree is also pretty unbelievable there's nothing else to hit along the sidewalk 20 yards in either direction and I'll be damned if I didn't hit the tree right smack dab in the middle tree took it tree took the charge did not buckle thankfully did not get knocked over That would have been a mess, too, if the tree had fallen on top of me. Thankfully, my airbag did not deploy uh, because I was going so slow when uh, when we had the contact. But I say all of this to tell you that I will still be rendering justice when we return from this break. I will be laying down the iron hand of justice. This justice will be swift. It will be totally Within the bounds of acceptable discourse, it will not be opaque. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. All right, Jason Martin has been tried and convicted by the Outkick family for dereliction of show duty and refusing to show up on Tuesday despite a very minimal amount of weather related issues. And I did take into account my own hitting a tree in the ice, but I think that was more a function of the futility of my vehicle than it was anything that I had done myself. And so given the fact that he had four-wheel drive and did not know how to work his defrost and actually be able to see as he was driving into work, I spent a lot of time reviewing your suggestions of what his punishment should be and several people i thought came up with a good idea or a variation of that idea and ultimately i think it's the right sentence so do we have any music in la that we need to play as i prepare to levy this sentence right now for jason martin having been convicted of crimes against the radio station and against the show any music at all that should play here
0: L.A. Law.
3: L.A. Law. L.A. Law theme music here. Justice has to be done. Justice must be blind. Justice has now arrived. Jason Martin, on behalf of the show, on behalf of the staff of this show, and most importantly, perhaps, on behalf of all the listeners in all 50 states and the world right now listening to us, As they begin their mornings in this great country and beyond, I sentence you to one month of having to watch ESPN Sports Center The Six, aka, yes, aka the Jamel Hill and Michael Smith Woke Center every single day at 6 p.m. Eastern. You must watch and/or DVR this show and you must come in and report the most wokest thing that you learned from that television broadcast. It likely will have nothing to do with sports at all, but I feel that you must address your white privilege and sit and watch for one month every single Monday through Friday that this show airs. You either have to watch it live or on DVR, and you will give us a woke report every single morning about what you learned from the six PM Sports Center with Jamel Smith and Michael uh, Jamel Hill and Michael Smith, that is your punishment. So help me God, I have considered and I have levied it. Your response now, Jason Martin, to your punishment
2: is the death penalty not on the table? <laughs> like is that is that it? No, I was thinking about this. And uh, okay, you have levied the punishment. I will start watching it today and report on it on the show. And I just. It's flat out torture and I'm already trying to wonder how I'm actually gonna get through this. That's a full month. I mean, that is that's a lot of SC six, that is for sure. But I was trying to think of something and how we could spend this and do something to help other people. And with my intransigence and all of all the good radio I think that it's that has come out of this situation, I feel like and I don't know the logistics of this and how we could pull this off. I saw other people suggesting different things to me for my punishment, and one of them stood out. And it came, a couple of people mentioned it, and for some reason I couldn't get it out of my head last night. And maybe you can, or maybe we can figure this out over the next 24 hours. We're smart individuals between the five of us, uh, the three out in LA, and the two of us. I am willing, in addition to SC6, to find a way while we we're at the Super Bowl in Minneapolis to do a polar plunge. Oh, my God. Into I thought like that was river. too mean. No, into a river or a lake or something. But what I, the w- reason why I'm willing to do it is if we could find a way to set up some like Kickstarter or something like that where we could have the listeners donate over the next week, week and a half, until we actually do it and then give that to the Wounded Warrior Project. I would be willing to do that in addition to SC6 and try to try to help some people out outside of this. And I figured you would probably be amenable to such a thing. We could I, videotape I am, it, do the whole deal, and, and have everybody have a good time at my expense.
3: Totally fine with that. I don't know. I mean, the, the Minnesota is the land of a thousand lakes, right? So there have to be yes. a lot of lakes. Are they – I would assume that they're all frozen. Like, is there an open body of – as cold as it is right now in the country, I don't know. I'm not an expert on, in Minnesota waterways. But is there an accessible – Minnesota, lake, or river. And I don't want you to be swept away and drowned because, again, that would be certainly ironic. Uh, but I'm not getting in the water, first of all. I hope that the troops, we raise some money for the troops. I don't do cold. I certainly am not going to do a polar plunge. So, And I'm certainly not going to do a polar plunge in Minnesota. Although, I don't know, and I should probably know the answer to this. Can water get colder in different parts? Like, how much colder can water get? And, and I, I this seems like a, it, this seems like an answer that I should know. But when water freezes, is the water colder in Minnesota than it is, for instance, in Tennessee when the water is frozen? Or does water reach a level like I understand the ambient surface temperature of uh, you know, like America can vary a great deal, right? It can be right now people are listening to us in Florida and it might be seventy five degrees, and it's like minus ten in Minnesota, right? But what i'm wondering is does the water basically tap out at a certain degree like is it much colder in the water right now in minnesota than it is in where we are in nashville i don't i don't know the answer to that because obviously water freezes at whatever it is 32 degrees but then does the water get infinitely colder can it get down to like -10 in the water like it could in the air or does the water reach does does that make any sense to you yes it it, it
0: can get colder how much colder all the way towards what we can call absolute zero
3: absolute zero is minus 53 degrees where like all movement ceases right minus 53 degrees fahrenheit if i'm not mistaken from my days back in high school chemistry so you're telling me that water can become totally immobile that doesn't make sense basically the entire thing can be an ice cube
0: I mean, that's what, I, that's what I'm reading right here.
3: So the fish would just be frozen and unable to move.
0: I'll have to look into it more yeah, about that what happens with that. Uh, just
3: think yeah, about yeah. a little bit about this. You have stepped in here and made an argument that basically a fish could just cease to be able to move. Or a beaver or a, uh, or a whale. You're arguing that the water can become so cold that no animal can move. This is your argument right now, Jessica. That does not seem like a good argument.
0: It, it's, like the Arctic that-
3: Ocean, hold on. The Arctic Ocean, if you go underwater, I have watched the IMAX movies and you or the March of the Penguins movie. You can watch the penguins all swimming around in that water. It has to be really, really cold. Now, maybe that has something to do with salt water being more difficult to freeze in general. I think that's true. But you are arguing that basically a entire ecosystem can become frozen in place and no one can move if the water becomes cold enough.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm reading this from the Department of Physics on the University of Illinois uh, website, and it, it says that uh, the value, uh, it says... This, I don't know
3: how you ended up there, by the way.
0: This is when the water molecules
2: are basically not moving. Yeah, I see it on another site right now. Are there pictures the of all of
3: the animals frozen in place? Yeah. <laughs>
2: It is. What he's saying is accurate. Chemists at the University of Utah found that minus 55 degrees is when water absolutely must start changing molecular structure. The molecules start forming tetrahedron shapes where each molecule becomes loosely bonded to four others. It creates a form of water known as intermediate ice. Though it hasn't taken on all the properties of full-blown ice, it can no longer be considered water.
3: So how do the animals continue to live? It must not be possible to reach that level of cold in like normal the normal world. Like in order to reach absolute zero, I believe you have to basically create laboratory-like conditions. So it might be physically possible, but what would the difference be right now for j Mart's polar plunge in Minnesota water versus Tennessee well, water? Is there actually any difference?
2: Well, I'm not exactly sure, but I do know that there is a actual polar plunge set up for downtown Minneapolis the week after we're there. Maybe you just have Thursday to The Thursday after the Super Bowl. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much <laughs> colder it would be. We'd have to find out. If it's too cold and flat out untenable, then we'll do it back here in Nashville. But I feel like we might be able to pull this off. And I think it would be a cool thing to do and I'm certainly willing to do it.
3: All right. I like that idea. I do think that's a that's a good idea. So if you are in Minnesota And there's a body of water that you would suggest. We are broadcasting live in a couple of weeks, whatever the week is of the Super Bowl. We are going to be in Minnesota. I believe Radio Row is at the Mall of America. So in an ideal world, there would be a body of water somewhere near the Mall of America that J-Mark could go into on behalf of Wounded Warriors and also to pay penance for his refusal to actually drive in the snow. We're not driving, by the way, in the snow at all. We'll have Ubers only. Only Uber drivers in Minnesota. No way we're going to actually rent a car and drive anywhere in Minnesota. That's just a death trap. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. We go now to Alex Marvez, at Alex Marvez on Twitter. He usually joins us on Tuesday. He joins us now on Thursday. And Alex, you're down in Florida. You're in the Gainesville area. You're not that far from Jacksonville in general. And I'm asking a question. Um, why does everybody hate Blake Bortles? For a guy who hasn't really done anything off the field, for a guy who hadn't even played in that many big games, period, he's won two playoff games now. Obviously, the game against the Bills was awful, but he made some plays in the fourth quarter against the Steelers, and it seems to me that everybody is rooting for him to fail. Like I think the vast majority of people out there listening right now would love to see him throw five interceptions and basically just throw up all over himself in this AFC title game. Why is he so disliked?
4: Well, it's sort of weird. It's sort of like you in a way. Like, you see your face, like, you know what I mean? And those great shots they put up on Dead of You, where your yes. eyes are rolling in your head. You just want to punch you. You know yeah. what I mean? Right and break your nose and splatter it all over your face. And by the Man, way, this is a violent
3: do... start to the interview.
4: Well, I'm just saying, you know, you got me all riled up there. You know, I get we start late to the segment. Jason doesn't show up to work on Tuesday. Yeah, I no would kidding. have worked, but I was on Sirius XM, you know, snow, whatever. Anyway. Point is, it's weird with Blake Bortles, because in his case, you know, like you have players calling him out. I understand the media and and the negativity toward the guy, and it's easy to pile on somebody. It's low-hanging fruit. I understand that. But, you know, what I wonder is sometimes are, are players like a Jarrell Casey, for example, who always calls this guy out. Is he just trying to get under his skin, or is there something sincerely rotten about Blake Bortles? But you've heard nothing bad about this guy in his personal life or anything. So it's a little bit weird. It's sort of... And the same thing, what's happening with Nick Foles, right? I mean, think about all the anger directed toward Nick Foles and how he gets mocked. You know, what did he ever do to anybody, right? He never said anything to to anyone that will remember, no notable well, quotes. Well, it's the same no thing bite. with Case
3: Keenum, too. Like, none of the yeah. three of those guys have ever done anything that's remotely, like, offensive or bad or anything else. And I feel like... And I'm guilty as well. I'm like, oh, these guys suck. I hope they blow up and, and make stupid plays. Like, why why is it that all three of these guys, but I think Bortles gets it the worst. I, I just don't really get it, you know, in terms of, like, people say, oh, well, Tim Tebow was really controversial. Yeah, but Tebow did a lot of things. Like, he wore his faith really aggressively. He was famous from college. I can't even think of Blake Bortles ever saying or really doing anything that draws attention to himself other than the fact that he happens to be an NFL quarterback?
4: I think it's because people want to see good football. And we don't associate these players with good football. And And it's an easy narrative in the media for us to sit here and rip this guy, it's easy as fans to say, oh, this guy sucks, especially when they're going against a better quarterback, right? And what we don't have in the NFL, as as fans and as media, is patience for guys to grow into a position. Blake Bortles has improved in 2017. I'm not saying that he's the next coming of Tom Brady or anything like that, but it takes time for some of these guys, you know, especially underclassmen who come out, like Blake Bortles did, guys thrown into the starting lineup right away. A lot of different issues. I mean, that's the thing about it. We just, you know, how, when do quarterbacks really, truly start to hit their stride? We've had quarterbacks like Ben Roethlisberger and Russell Wilson win Super Bowls year two of their NFL career, but they were being carried by extremely good defenses and running games. And maybe Blake Bortles will get carried to a Super Bowl. I don't know, but the point, and, and same with Case Keenum, maybe for Nick Foles, but I think that's what comes to it, too. The expectation that you want to see exciting play from these guys, and a lot of times it just isn't there.
3: Does it help the NFL or hurt the NFL if we get a huge upset by the Jags over the Patriots, and it doesn't even hardly matter who wins between the Vikings and the Eagles, and we get Blake Bortles versus either Nick Foles or Case Keenum? Is that good for the NFL because it convinces a lot of teams out there and their fans, hey, maybe we could make the Super Bowl after all without having to have an elite-level superstar quarterback quarterback or is it bad for the NFL because the game itself will probably be awful and it's just going to reflect some of the challenges that come with football when you have two not very good quarterbacks going head to head?
4: I've got, you know, Tony Eason images going through my mind from Super Bowl 20. Yes. You know, oh, goodness, champagne. <sighs> anyway, that was his nickname. And it's what the, the worst nickname ever bestowed upon yeah. him. I know he played at Illinois, but there, there was no bottles you wanted to pop when watching Tony Eason play football. I think it would be horrific for the league. I really do. I think ratings would plummet for the Super Bowl because, you know, and we talk about why did television ratings go down for the NFL over the past couple of years. Well, while we can watch Peyton Manning all we want on commercials, and it seems like he's an omnipresent figure to this day, He wasn't on the field, and that's a superstar player, and so why watch... Some games that you would normally for the Denver Broncos or Indianapolis Colts that could draw in mainstream fans, casual viewers, things like this, without a superstar player like this. Look at the Green Bay Packers and the issues that they had when Aaron Rodgers went down. It just isn't the same watching Brett Hundley. People want to see star players. I think at this point the mainstream. I'm not. And, and listen, you could cheer. You want to boo the guy. I get it for most most fans. But Tom Brady draws in eyeballs that the NFL wants. For them, they know that the hardcores are going to be there. They know that people are always. Is going to buy into the narratives of this might be our year and things like that, and the Jacksonville Jaguars Super Bowl appearance would enforce it. But for what the NFL wants from its showcase game, which is everybody, all eyes to it, being able to boast of record numbers and how the league is as hot as ever. If you get Blake Bortles in that game, that narrative's not happening, and the NFL once again comes under siege as a sport that is quickly losing its popularity.
3: Do you think the Jags have a legitimate chance to beat the Patriots in Foxborough?
4: Yeah, because I think they can move Tom Brady off his spot. Uh, The big question to me is this. What what can Blake Bortles do in the passing game if the Patriots do what the Steelers didn't do? And that's bottle up Leonard Fournette and Leonard becoming the first rookie in postseason history to score three touchdowns in one game along with a 100-yard rushing performance. He was absolutely fabulous in that regard. And, of course, at that point, the Steelers were playing catch-up the entire game. And, you know, that created opportunities for Bortles. He just had to be efficient. He made some plays with his legs, and kudos to him and clearly the Stillers never recovered from the loss of Ryan Shazier. I mean, that is just devastating. You could just tell that, that Jacksonville did a great job attacking the middle of that Stillers defense where Ryan Shazier wasn't. New England, I think they're a little bit smarter. I also think, too, I know this for a fact, they've given up fewer points in the NFL since week five than any other team in the league. I mean, they were so bad early on. That you think, wow, this Patriots defense, they're mediocre. You know, I can't name five starters on the unit, to be honest with you. I mean, I can name the secondary, I guess, but when you're talking front seven personnel, huh? You know, Geno Grissom or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, who are these guys? Yet, week after week, they keep stuffing teams. That's the thing. They take away that one thing each game. They're going to take away Leonard Fournette, is the way that I look at it, much like they took away Derrick Henry from Tennessee. So what's next? And can Blake Bortles make enough plays for the Jags to win? And can the defense create enough uh, turnovers to put Bortles in position to get the Jags on the scoreboard? I'm just not buying it. i got to go with the pass. By the way, Jacksonville, 1-10 all-time against New England. The only time they beat them on the road came back in 1998 wow all right let's go to the other game the nfc title game
3: between the eagles and the vikings who you got
4: well i mean jeff fisher should be proud right and he should take credit for what's going on with the eagles and the vikings because both nick Foles and case keenum are products of jeff fisher's tenure with the then St. Louis Rams, the Los Angeles Rams. So shouldn't Jeff be taking some credit here? Half of the
3: half of the quarterbacks in the NFC playoffs were on the Rams roster, was it last year or a year and a half ago, whatever the math is on that. It's pretty crazy.
4: <laughs> it is absolutely amazing and it makes you wonder, well, why could they succeed somewhere else, but they couldn't win with you? Hmm. So it goes. That all that being said, you know, I, I look at this one, I just think the Vikings, they had their scare. And, of course, what a scare it was, right? And they beat, you know, they beat the Saints, and now I just think they're going to – I don't say they roll, but I just think that their defense is, is as good, if not better, than Philadelphia's. I think it is a better unit overall, and I just can't see Philadelphia making enough plays on offense to get to where they want to be. So I'm choosing Case Keenum, greater than sign, Nick Foles, if you know what I mean, for the kids who do it on the interwebs. The
3: Vikings potentially would have a home game in the uh, in the Super Bowl. How much of a storyline do you think that will be? And how much of a favorite in terms of or how much should you adjust? Let's assume the Patriots are going to be there. How much should you adjust that in terms of what you expect the crowd to look like? In other words, this is already going to be a really difficult ticket regardless, I think. But if you go with the Vikings there, I mean, this is kind of a uncharted territory, right?
4: Well yeah, no why, you know, we we're talking about like okay, in some cities for example, I believe we've had four Super Bowls previously where, you know, for example, San Francisco, Super Bowl 19 where, you know, the 49ers they play at Candlestick, but the, the Super Bowl was held in Palo Alto, 12-mile difference, so you have that home crowd mania that goes into it, but it's a different game since then, clearly. And you I think the ticket value would just skyrocket through because people at that point, you know, Vikings fans, they can stay at home. They don't have to come in until the day before the game. It's a lot the like Alabama,
3: the Georgia. The tickets ended up so expensive because people didn't have to pay for airfare, because they didn't even have to get hotel rooms. They could drive in the day of the game and then drive home afterwards.
4: Exactly, and that's not good news for the NFL and its merchants either. It also becomes a you know a provincial thing, so to speak. You know, and people will be playing up Minnesota culture. I think you've got Jason Martin going out to buy whale blubber. He's going to eat that before yes. doing his polar plunge. I mean, all those sorts of things. The Gilda Horn's going to be out there. I mean, you know. Any stereotype you could find about Minnesotans, you know, like the way they talk. I mean, you know it's going to be emphasized during the entire week. You know, interestingly enough, the Vikings, and this was reported a couple of weeks ago, they're going to be the visitors. NFCs are the visitors. NFCs are the visitors this year. So they would be in the visiting team locker room, even though they'd be inside their own home stadium. But no, it's a huge, huge advantage, especially if the Patriots go, which end up having sometimes is travel fatigue. Like if you're a yes. Bats fan and you want to go see a Super Bowl, you're probably gone by now. You know what I mean? And, and I just don't know if people are really going to spend the type of money that it would require to get a Super Bowl ticket to then travel into, you know from a, a cold-weather site to an even colder-weather site to watch this game play. So I think it would give the Vikings an advantage, but be careful what you wish for. Because think about all the distractions of having the Vi- I mean, and I say this, they're going to have to mitigate this for the Vikings if they make it. Look, people are, you know, it's not going to be a normal life that you're living. You know, you're around people all the time. It's just going to be, you know what I'm saying? You're not able to get away and, and concentrate fully on the game. You know, you're going to have so many other things that are coming up, potential distractions that take place in the Twin Cities if you are playing the game there. So that's something that Mike Zimmer and his staff really have to account for to try to make sure that things don't get out of control because of the hysteria that will ensue in Minneapolis and St. Paul.
3: What do you think is going to happen with the open jobs in the NFL right now? If you are predicting or what are you hearing about who's going to get those gigs?
4: Okay, Mike Munchak was the guy the Arizona Cardinals wanted and they So they really deal. were gonna hire him? yeah they really were, and you know what ended up happening was, and this is legit look anytime I see something clay, I 'm like you, I'm extremely skeptical, right and I see Mike Munchak put out a statement saying that he's pulling out of this job for family concerns, and I thought family concerns was Mike Comlin's family since he may be looking for a job right. down the road in a year, and Mike Munchak would stay and potentially replace Mike Comlin if, if Mike can't get his act together with the Stillers. That being said, this is apparent this is I mean I'm thousand percent sure of this it actually was a legitimate family situation that caused Mike to get cold feet about going out to Arizona see and the Cardinals they were in no rush because they knew that nobody else wanted to hire Mike Munchak they they knew he was their guy and they were he's a great
3: dude uh you know he was the head coach here with the Titans I mean just a really likable straight shooter I, I I don't know anybody who doesn't like Mike Munchak so I didn't know how serious the Arizona Cardinals were considering him but he's just a genuinely good dude
4: Right, and now you're back to ground zero, and the, the, the Arizona Cardinals' options are not that great because if you go with a John DiFilippo, for example, are you going to make him, you know, for the Eagles offensive coordinator or the quarterback's coach even? Young kid, he's never had worked with James Vector before the defensive coordinator. Are you going to keep James on your staff? Is he going to run the defense? And is Filippo going to come in on offense? And by the way, this, the skill position players for the Cardinals, who knows how they fit into what this guy wants to do. There's talk about Brian Flores coming over from the New England Patriots. I couldn't pick him out of a lineup to be quite honest with you. I've, I know nothing about this guy, and he's going to run your team. I mean, I think Arizona at this point, they're in, they're in some trouble. Tennessee right now, though, they're the ones that will probably hire Mike Grable. He is the leader in the clubhouse. has a previous relationship with John Robinson and Clay. As you know, as I've said on your airwaves, changes were coming to that Tennessee assistant coaching staff. And maybe Mike Malarkey wasn't even all that aware of it. Because remember, just like with Mike Munchak getting fired, Mike Malarkey getting canned in Tennessee because he refused to make the type of changes on his coaching staff that was being demanded by the GM and by by team ownership.
3: No doubt at all. Appreciate you as always, Alex Marvez. We'll talk to you next week.
4: Sounds good. Thanks. And it's good to see Jason at work, right?
3: Yeah, no kidding. Join the club. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch
0: all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls, I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I had a boa constrictor stuck to my face. And you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome.
3: Take it away, Jason Martin.
2: So, this is just vindictive. This is a problem. Back on January the 14th, four days ago, a New Jersey State Trooper was tested by a python. A New Jersey state trooper tested by a python, where? Near a highway toll booth. Bloomfield trooper responded for a python dropped in a toll collector's basket, is what the call was actually reported to, to this guy who actually responded to it. It had not actually been left in a toll collector's basket, but a maintenance worker had found it in a broken aquarium on the side of the road Near the tolls, the trooper then grabs the python by the tail, uses an expandable baton to lift part of it up, slides it into a partitioned area in the back seat of the vehicle, secures it, takes it to an exotic pet sanctuary. The reason I mention this we all hate toll booths, we hate having to deal with toll roads. Luckily, it's not something we have to deal with in Nashville. But every time you go to Florida, if you go to Orlando, that's the whole point of going to Orlando is to deal with all these tolls and pay 30 extra bucks just to drive around. So you're telling me, at least from the way I read this, that this dude, that somebody hated tolls enough that they just dropped a python off by the toll booth. And not a small python either. A venomous large python right there to potentially attack a toll booth worker when they showed up for work. That is hatred. I think if, you,
3: if the guy had actually put the python in the toll booth, I think he should go to prison for the rest of his life. I don't know what else that guy's into, but I'm confident that he's into some freaky stuff. Not going to roll with it. He should definitely go to prison forever. Never get out. Just like the guy who smuggled the Cobras in the Pringles cans should never be able to get out. Did you see this, by the way? An alligator... Speaking of pythons, an alligator and a python got in a battle on a Naples golf course. Like they were fighting with each other right beside the golf course.
2: Yeah, it looked like the alligator won from what I saw, but it's horrifying because if you just walked up on it, it's just an alligator with a python like over top of it, like trying to wrap around it. That's the last time I'm golfing in Naples.
3: Well, also, we've had a couple of Naples stories. The guy got attacked by the bear there. Yeah, that's right. Here's the other thing about these pictures. The guys are playing golf and one of the guys is taking a drop like five feet from the alligator and the python fighting. This guy must have balls of steel. I mean like first of all maybe give him a free play maybe just say okay you don't have to take a drop like we'll give you a few feet like you can maybe you know hit the ball somewhere else you look at this picture on uh, clickorlando.com is where I'm seeing this right now and the guy is literally taking a drop to play his ball it can't be more than five or ten feet at most from this alligator python mortal death struggle here
2: Yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. You actually, when you really look at the photo, it looks like the python circles the alligator, but the alligator has part of the python's face in its mouth. Like in that same shot that you're talking about where the guy's dropping the ball, which I'm looking at right now, the python is in the alligator's mouth at that point. So it looks like the gator has the upper hand, which I guess if you think that you can take down an alligator with elbows... That means you should probably be able to take down a python by the transitive property.
3: Well, I don't think... First of all, the transitive property doesn't work in sports, as we all know. Secondly, I don't believe the... My argument is that I can go after the vital organs of the alligator by turning him over, and it would go to sleep, so it wouldn't be able to fight me. I don't think that same situation would apply with a python. Uh, By the way, did you also see this? Eagles fan Taylor Hendricks, he was arrested... For punching a police horse outside of the Eagles win, I'm not yeah, sure that there's more. Of an e- I'm not sure there's more of an Eagles fan story than a drunk guy who punched the police horse outside the
2: stadium. That's hideous. I mean, they booed Santa Claus. So what? Uh, this isn't that much worse. But yeah, what did the what did uh, the police horse do to you? What possibly? Not that's much. just mean. That's just yeah. flat out mean. That's like me growing up. I had a friend of mine. We were, we were mischievous and we had like a paintball gun and we were on a wheel and he just went straight up and went eye first into a cow with the paintball and the cow just stared at him I thought that was about the cruelest thing I've ever heard but just punching a police police horse come on
3: indefensible totally what I would expect a Philadelphia Eagles fan to do that's why I'm frankly rooting for the Vikings this weekend you punch a police horse you don't deserve to go to the Super Bowl it's a simple rule but I think it's a just one just like making Jason Martin watch Sports Center 6 for not showing up at work. Oh, oh, oh,
0: O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.